Well, good morning. It's good to be here. Um, thank you so much just for this opportunity just to, yeah, just to be here amongst you all and to, to learn along the way. Uh, my name is Stephen, as Nathan said, and I'm a pastoral fellow. I'll be here for the, the next two years and just a, a place to, to learn and grow. And so um, thanks for the welcome. I know I've said that before. Still heartfelt. I still am grateful uh, for this, this place and this community. Um, as Nathan mentioned, we're in the middle of a, a Psalms series, uh, Are You Listening? Uh, we, we started in Psalm 1 and 2, we looked at uh, the reality that we cry out to a God who cries out to us, that we, we begin first and foremost with God, that he has spoken to us uh, and, and he stands sovereign and king over all things. Uh, he is uh, the king uh, of all. And then uh, quickly, it moves, the, the Psalms really moves into uh, the Psalm 3, where those that are in trouble, those that are uh, caught in a place that's uh, a trial and a tribulation, they, they are given the words to cry out to God, uh, to, to, to ask him for help to respond to us. And this last week, we looked at four and five, the evening and the, and the morning prayer. And uh, we began to, to learn rhythms and, and to establish kind of a, a new rut, if you will, of uh, praying uh, more regularly, uh, relying on God and, and trusting him in the evening and then anticipating the next day as, it, as, as uh, we enter into what God is doing. And uh, I hope that you've been in, uh, engaging in these things. Nathan's kind of given us these, a couple of different charges. One uh, is to, to pray for 10 minutes a day. And I don't know, uh, for those of you that maybe you pray regularly and 10 minutes is nothing, uh, but if, if you're like the common folk, if you will, uh, ten, 10 minutes can feel like an eternity. And so I don't know if you tried that yet, if you thought that's just way too much, but if you haven't, just give it one shot this week, just one time, just sit and pray for 10 minutes to see what that experience is like, is like connecting with the Lord. And then uh, Nathan's also uh, called us to, to enter into these rhythms and these patterns of prayer. And so this morning we're going to be looking at um, language of confession uh, and, and what do we do when we, when we failed. Um, I grew up in a family of three boys. I uh, have two older brothers. They're both monsters. They're both 6'5". Um, and as the youngest, I'm not even six foot, I mean, if they were here, they're just giants, these pillars that would surround me. And so uh, growing up, we were close enough in age that the home was a place where we never really learned the whole, uh, you know, verbal communication dialogue of uh, de-escalating. Uh, rather, we, uh, <laughs> we learned how to communicate with our fists and with our feet and th that kind of, of thing, right? Um, and, and my mom loved this. She just absolutely loved it. Um, she, she would come in, right, and she would, she would see that we're in a fight, we're, we're, we're in a scuffle, right? And she'd, she'd come and she'd split us up and she'd sit us down on the couch and she'd say, Stephen, Brian, Mike, what are you doing? Don't you understand the emotional pain that you're causing each other? You're using these words. And she'd start this whole debrief process. And the whole time, my brothers and I are just looking at each other like, this is a joke. Because like, when mom leaves, I'm going to destroy you. Right? <laughs> like, that's just kind of where we were at. Right? Because it's really hard to teach someone to confess when they're not really in a place of repentance. Right? Nevertheless, my mom would come in. She'd, she'd, she'd try to, to, to teach us, to, to, to shape us, to point us, to, to really reconcile, right? Because that's her heart's desire. She wants her boys to love each other. She wants her boys to get along, right? Well, mom doesn't want that. And, 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 and we would say, you know, we don't want to use just our minds, mom. We want to use our whole bodies to communicate. <laughs> but, but my mom, would, she would... She would, she, she would again and again, bring us back to this moment of, no, you need to learn this language 
of admitting when you're wrong, confessing and asking for forgiveness. She'd have us say it, you know, and, and she never really, I've seen like YouTube videos of like moms that like force brothers to like hold each other and say it until they mean it, you know, and we never had to do that. I think she knew it would be bad. Uh, but it's something that we all, we all need to, to work with, right? We all are trying to establish and, and learn these, these rhythms because really forgiveness is essential to relationship, right? We all are in the process of learning this, this language of forgiveness in order to restore and bring, bring, bring back life to our, uh, our relationships, whether that's with, with one another or that's with God. We need this language. But oftentimes, I wonder if what, what our association with this word confession is. Is it, is it a happy face or is it a, a sad face? It doesn't, it doesn't take long before we, we begin to, to think about this confession thing and it just stirs in us just kind of the deeper parts of our hearts and, and we just, it's, it begins to bring up, I don't know about for you, but for me, it can be shame, it could be guilt, right? And especially depending on like how we've been doing at our house, right? Like if, if, if Kaylee and I, like we pray every night, right, when we go to bed, but if we've, if we've more recently hurt each other, it's really hard for us to like engage in prayer at night. The experience is a little bit different when there's a little bit of tension between us. If we're still working through uh, a difference or a hurt or a pain, right? Because we, we need to be brought back to a restored relationship, right? And so what we're going to see in, in Psalm 32 is that the blessed life is the forgiven life. The blessed life is the forgiven life. And prayer of confession brings us into that. Prayer of confession brings us into that. So let's, let's, uh, let's turn here. Uh, I'm going to read just a couple of different verses and talk about it. It's really hard for me to, um, to talk about psalms because psalms are, a, I don't know if you know this, they're, they're poetry, right? They're, they're a song. And so when I begin to try to like give like different propositional things, it's really hard because I feel like I'm doing something wrong to the text. So I'm going to read it because it's beautiful and I hope it speaks to you. And I, and, 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 um, I hope that God's word is what touches your heart this morning. So let's read. Uh, first two verses. Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed is, blessed, I say blessed. Is it blessed or blessed? Right? Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it blessed or blessed? I don't know. It's this religious word that we use to talk about um, this, this, this good life, right? It's the, it's the life that we all envision. It's the life that we all desire. It's the life that we want and, and we long for. It's, the, it's, it's what you see on television, right? If you're watching college football, it's, it's the beer ads of sitting out on the, on the beach where things are just beautiful and perfect and, and everyone's fit, right? It's, it's the... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's what, like, McDonald's always, like, puts, I'm always just like, no way. Like, McDonald's always puts you out on the beach. It's like the sun's setting. There's a little fire pit there. Everyone's got their Big Mac, and, like, somehow they're running, and it's not falling apart. <laughs> this is a joke. I mean, I'm not saying I eat McDonald's, okay? I'm just saying when I do, um, <laughs> it falls apart on me. Uh, but I don't know what the, you know, the blessed life is for you. Um, maybe it's, uh, if, you got, if you're a mother with a preschooler, maybe it's mops, right? Maybe it's when you get to come to church, you get to hand your baby off, and you're like, good, I get an hour. I don't know, is it an hour? I think it's an hour. Two hours? Oh, it's even better. I mean, that's a good life. Uh, it's, it's, it's the opportunity to, <laughs> uh, it's the opportunity just to, to, to live uh, in a state of uh, goodness, right? And oftentimes we think of the blessed life as this perfect life. 
But the reality is that the blessed life is not perfect. Because look at, what, look at the words that he uses. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there's no deceit. How, so how is it that he's talking about blessed, this good life that we all desire, that we all long, and somehow he's, use, he's using sin, transgression, iniquity? Does, does anyone else just think that that doesn't make much sense? Because who likes to talk about sin? Who likes to own that? Who likes to admit that? I, I really don't. I don't know if you do. If I just really, no, I, I think many of us, if not all of us, really struggle with, with owning our brokenness and owning what's inside of us and, 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 and admitting that maybe we're, maybe we're bent. And sometimes that's hard, right? It, it takes transparency, it takes vulnerability, and it's really scary. It's really scary. But I think that's what we, we all are, are called to do. And, and this word sin is sometimes, uh, it, it turns into this word that's really flat. It's this, um, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. What is sin? Sin is anything that you do that's wrong. So it's just this one catch-all lump word that, that is used. And certainly it is, right? When, when, when Paul uses that, he's, he's referencing uh, failing to meet God's standards. Sin is actually a word in the, Old, in the Old Testament. It's used in relationship to when you break God's commandments. It's also used when you just miss the mark. There's actually this, this tribe, uh, the Benjamites, right? And they were really good with the slingshot. And it says that they were so good that they never sinned when they would take their shots. They would never miss their mark, right? And so we don't, we don't read that it says that they never sinned. I didn't say what uh, the, the text says, it says that they never missed the mark. And so this word sin is really just a word that's associated with uh, kind of a particular act, a, a particular action. And when, when we fail to meet, meet God's standard or we don't live into the way that he calls us to live. And this, this word iniquity is more, is more a word that's used to describe kind of our, our, our corruption, our, our brokenness, our bentness. It, it doesn't have like a particular in mind. It's more of just kind of the, the, the state that we're in. And, and then this word transgression is, is, a, is a word that's a little bit more serious. It kind of rat, ratchets up a little bit. And um, I, I was wrestling with how to describe transgression, and I think a cat is a really good example of transgression. <laughs> um, I am not a cat person. I'm a dog person. Just there, I'll put cards on the table, okay? Uh, if you're a cat person, forgive me. Um, I will confess later. So um, never mind. <laughs> um, a cat is kind of its own person, right? Dogs are like, do like people people, right? Like they people person, people dog. Um, they, they respond to you, they, they, they walk with you, they're with you, right? And, but cats have this like uncanny ability to uh, be on the verge of doing something that you don't want them to do, right? It's like that cat that's sitting on the ledge and like he, there's a cup right in front of it and like you see it like pick up its paw and it's about to take the cup and just pfft, right? And so you're like, ha ha ha! And so the cat like stops and looks at you and then like while it's staring at you, just <laughs> right? And if you're, the, if you're the owner, you're like, what are you doing, ridiculous cat, right? And maybe you laugh because you think that's like endearing, but if you're like normal people like me, you're like, that's ridiculous, right? It's this, it's this uh, another way of thinking about it, it's this open-handed, high-handed defiance. But the thing is, is that we're not talking about a cat. We're talking about us. I'm talking about those moments when you're, you're uh, looking at temptation, when you're looking at what is enticing you, and you look at it and you think, this isn't right, but I'm going to do this anyways. 
And I don't know about you, but it's those sins that are most frightening to me. I mean, what do you do with that? What do you do in that moment when you're just so aware that there's something, I just did something really wrong, right? And it doesn't take long before you're entangled and trapped in guilt and shame. And it's so hard from that place to know what to do. You, for me, I feel crippled and stuck in my, just stuck, just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. And I am so grateful that scripture gives us words to describe what I feel so that I know that I'm not alone. Look what the next verses say. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. My day before day and night, your hand was, upon, was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David is sitting in the silence of his sin. He's experiencing what it's like to be in guilt and shame, knowing that he has done what is wrong. And he says it's something, he's experiencing something beyond just the physical. He's, I'm sorry, just the spiritual. He's experiencing the physical. And I don't know if you've ever woken up the day after you've sinned and you still haven't really worked with that. You still haven't really addressed that with the Lord. But for me, sometimes it's really hard to get out of bed because I'm just depressed. I'm just heavy. And I'm stuck. And if I sit in that for an extended period of time, I begin to feel things that are so much like this, where I begin to walk in this, this almost robotic, disconnected lifestyle of just terribleness. It's just hard. And I don't, I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think many of us know what that's like. But sometimes it can be really hard to, to, to look at that and to to admit it and own it, because who really wants to, to do that? I mean, I'm, no, I'm really not that much different than the, the six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old Stephen fighting with his brothers, saying, it's not my fault, it's my brother's fault, that if my brother had done such and such, then I wouldn't be doing this, I wouldn't be here, I'm innocent. And so, so what do we do from this place? And, 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 I, I, I really doubt that you're surprised that I say we, we confess and we turn to the Lord and we, we ask him for forgiveness and certainly we're going to talk about that. But I think another obstacle that we face is uh, bound up in who we think that God is. Who is God? So we're here in the Old Testament and the Old Testament God is an angry God. The Old Testament God is a God of wrath who destroys people. And if that's who we think that God is, it's really hard to turn to him in vulnerability and trust and safety and confess. Because if we think that he's a God of wrath who's gonna destroy us, what do we think we're turning to? We're turning to a God who's gonna annihilate us and that's horrifying. So I would run. I don't know about you, I, would, I feel like I would run. The, the God of the Old Testament isn't a God of wrath. Certainly he, that's part of who he is. But I, I love Exodus 34. When, when, when the Lord reveals himself to Moses, he says this. He's, the Lord passed before Mo, him, Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, the, the, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of their fathers, the iniquity of the fathers on their children, their children's children, to the third and fourth generation. 
And so somehow he, re- he reveals himself as both a God who's loving and merciful and also a God who is going to deal with sin, who says when something's been wrong, I will, give an, I will, I will make an account for that. And in and, and the Old Testament, it's, 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 it's kind of overwhelming to kind of figure out how does this whole thing work it out? Is, is, is he either a God of love or is he a God of wrath? But certainly he can't be both. And in the Old Testament, we see this, this picture, of this unfolding plan that ultimately is going to make sense in Christ. But I want to tell you, friends, our God is a God who is merciful and gracious. And so look at what David, David does here in, in Psalm, in Psalm uh, 30, back in Psalm 32. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. In this moment, David doesn't hide. Rather, he acknowledges his sin. He owns it. He confesses it. He speaks it, right? He, he speaks it. He acknowledges it. He doesn't cover it or provide excuses. And then, as I just said, he confesses it. He actually brings it to the Lord, and he, he uses the word transgression. He even, he even brings to the Lord the, high, the high-handed, the, the defiant sin. And he, he comes to the Lord. And, and without missing a beat, Listen to what he says. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. God didn't take a moment to think, well, what am I going to do here? He didn't, he didn't weigh things. It's who he is in his character, in his, in, in, in his very being. He is a merciful God who responds in grace and mercy to those who cry out to him for forgiveness, who, who confess their sin and own that. <laughs> the, the, next, the next verse, it says, let... Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. When I say the godly, it's kind of, sometimes I think it has a similar connotation to the word blessed. Like blessed is this kind of like perfect, idealized. When I say godly, I think sometimes we think that the godly people are the perfect people. The, the godly people are the ones that have, have their act together. They really don't ever really need to confess because they just always are nailing it, um, which isn't me. <laughs> but rather the godly people are the forgiven people. The godly person here is the one who has just confessed and done these three different sins. The godly here isn't perfect. The godly here is forgiven. So even here in the Old Testament, in, the, in this psalm, there's this realization of who they are. They're coming to this, this deeper understanding and reflection and looking inwardly, looking deep down inside and coming to grips with the depths of their brokenness. And, and so, that might sound too good to be true, right? If, if, if any of us are at a place where, you, I've heard this whole forgiveness thing my whole life. Yeah, God loves you. God's forgiven you. It's ridiculous. He doesn't, because if you knew what I've done, if you knew the things that I've been through, my experiences, how often I've come back to, how... If you just understand my story, then you know that God doesn't forgive me. I don't know if that's you, but I, I, there's two things I want to say to you, if that's you. The, the first thing is, is, is what I just told you. The godly isn't the perfect. The godly is the forgiven. So we can turn to God who is loving and merciful. In his character, in who he is, that's who God is. And I, want, I want you to know him uh, in, in his love. I want you to know his love. And the second thing is I think it's important that we think about who 
is speaking this song. Who wrote this? It's a Psalm of David. And if you know David's story, you know that he is this mixture of both godly and ungodly. He's a man after God's own heart, who's, who's David and Goliath champion, right? He's, he's God's king, who we think is awesome and wonderful. But if you know any more of David's story, it doesn't take long before he starts doing things that are, that are unspeakable, right? He, he takes another man and has him killed after he slept with his wife. And, and this is the godly, this is the one who writes these things. You see, David is, is writing to us as a man who knows the darkest places that sin can bring you and has been there and confessed those things. So he speaks to, to, to us here today and he says, even, even the one who is an adulterer, who was killed, I'm a murderer. He knows what it's like to be in what, what are some of the darkest places of, of humanity and to cry out to a God who is merciful. So if David can do it, friends, we can do it too. Because I don't know that our sins are, are all that different. If, and I'll just say this as an aside. If, 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 if you're still hearing that and you're saying, Stephen, that's ridiculous, and you want to actually want to talk about it, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm all ears. Let's get together and let's talk about it. I'm sure that's true of any pastor here. Because sometimes it's not just a simple one moment. For, um, if you're still wrestling with that, uh, let's talk about it. And so the, the language that we're given in this, this text is, is a language of confession, of forgiveness. And so David actually uh, ends with a short little parable where he actually transitions into instruction. And he, he says, I will counsel you and teach you the way, in the way that you should go. I will, um, I'm really, sometimes I, I'm dyslexic. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but... And that's not like a joke, that's for real. Um, so, uh, so, anyways, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. He speaks to us as the one who's been down this path before. And, and he says, if you'll listen to me, I will guide you. And then he gives us a short parable in a way that he, he wants us not to go. He says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. He's saying, don't be, don't be like a horse who requires uh, this, this, this utensil in their mouth that, that as they're walking off the cliff, the, the rider's got to yank on it. It's got to induce obedience by, by physical pain. He's saying, don't do those things. Rather, do what he's just told us. Confess. Because there's a difference between confessing and being found out. There's a difference between that. Between saying, this is what I have done, and owning that. And that's certainly scary. It's, hor- it's horrifying at times. But there's a difference between that and showing up and the person who you've offended sitting down with you and saying, look at what you've done. It's not really confession. That's more of just like an admittal. And that, that experience is a bit different. So David's saying, don't be like that. Rather, confess your sins. Seek Forgiveness. Dig deeply so that you can see in the, in the deeper parts of your heart and your soul, where are the, what is driving you? What are these motivations? What are these desires? So that, so that in that space, the, that, that God and Christ would work inside of us to transform those things. That's what David is, is calling us to do. 
And that's why he can say here at the end, he says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You see, this experience of confession has taken him to the low, to the low, low place of acknowledging his brokenness and sin, and he's found his hope and security in the God who is a rescuer, a God who is a deliverer. And, and, and it, for those of us that stand here today, we have a little bit different perspective than Moses did. We see the full story of God's deliverance, and we see that ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ, who came, lived a perfect life, and it says that even though he knew no sin, he became sin on our behalf, that we may, might become the righteousness of God. You see, you see Jesus somehow shows us what does it look like for a God to be both loving and just. That on the cross, he poured out his wrath and punishment for, for sin. That Jesus took upon himself the iniquity of us all, the sins of us all, so that when he rose from the grave, he proved himself victorious over all sin and, and offers us life to those that would place their faith in him. Not that, we, not that we are holy or perfect or good, but that Christ has overcome these things, that he offers us forgiveness and mercy. And so friends, we're gonna, we're gonna take a moment now just to, to, to enter into a time of confession. And, and my hope is that we would take a, an honest look at, at ourselves and at our hearts and, 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 and ask the Lord, that maybe, maybe you're not feeling repentant right now. Um, and maybe that's a little bit just unnerving. But maybe just even in that place, ask the Lord, Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, I'm asking for you to soften me. And if there's something that, that um, has been stirring inside of you that you just know that you need to conf confess, friends, confess to the God who is forgiving. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for our hope and assurance and security that's found ultimately in you. And Lord, we know that we are anything but perfect and we are in need of forgiveness and mercy. So Father, would you meet us now in this time and space as we look to you and look inside of us and recognize our brokenness. And so Father, please, in this time, meet with us.